Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Last week, we, we uh, I don't know that we introduced it last week, but we're in the middle of the Revival Lifestyle series, that core value. It's our last core value. And it, it occurred to me last week, Well, really, it occurred to me as I was writing this message and intending to go an entirely different direction. You know, I was going to introduce you to Holy Spirit. We'll get to that. But it it occurred to me that some people were probably feeling very overwhelmed by the message. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) But it's just that, it's kind of just that sense of kind of going, like, I know, I know you're stirred. You know, I, I, and I know, I know that you're stirred because what I'm speaking is the Word of God, you know, and it's the right Word of God for where you're at, and it's the commissioning of God over your life. I know Holy Spirit's stirring in your spirit, but sometimes it's easy for us to almost put a lid on it because we begin to think that we're disqualified. We start feeling like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this revival lifestyle, maybe that's for people like, you know, Bill Johnson, or if you remember the 1900s revivalist, for, you know, John G. Lake, you know, used to clean out hospitals. He gets so many healings. You know, he, he had like over 100,000 documented miracles and healings uh, in his ministry. Just phenomenal. They, uh, they recorded that his city, I believe it was Spokane, Washington. Does that feel right to anybody? Somewhere in Washington, I think, that they declared it during his tenure to be the most healthy city, like, in the world. Come on, Jesus. Do it again. You know, and it's easy to look at, I and mean, we love these examples though, right? You're just like, and then there's this guy named Bill Johnson, you know, he's doing this mega work in the earth, and like millions of people are impacted, and there's this whole Randy Clark, he's got this healing ministry, you know, and we, and we love these, we love these testimonies, because they, they stir us up, but I just had this sense this last week that there was this, this part of us that kind of goes, yeah, we're stirred up, oh, put a lid on it, because, well, I'm not Bill Johnson, yeah, I, I'm not John G. Lake. And I feel like there's a lie. There's a lie that I want to break this morning that says that, well, God has certain special people that he does that through. You know, there's certain people with a certain calling and a certain anointing. And, you know, of course, God's going to move through them. He's going to do amazing things through them. But it really, it's, it's for them. And we'll applaud them. And we're like, yeah, that's a good message. And we feel stirred. But at the end of the day, we really secretly believe down on the deep it's kind of for an exclusive group of amazing people, and we're not those amazing people. Anybody identify with that? <laughs> so I want you to know this morning that God's no respecter of persons, <laughs> and that you have this very same Holy Spirit that John G. Lake had. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the scripture that, that the very spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives on the inside of you, and it says he'll literally give life to your mortal bodies? Are we reading our Bibles? We <laughs> it's the very same Holy Spirit in operation to them. They might have a different call. Now listen to this. They might have a different calling, but you and I, we all have the same commission. <laughs> we might have different callings, but we all have the same commission. The same commission. Go, preach the gospel to all of creation. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Heal the lepers. 
Go and touch the people that are untouchable in society and release the kingdom of God on them to bring restoration to their lives. We all have the same commission. It might just look a little different. Bill Johnson has a certain calling. You don't want it, I assure you, if it's not what God has for you. But you do have a sphere. And you do have a, you have a, you have a mission. See, in, in America, we... We have kind of gotten to this place where we've bought into this. Here's another lie. This is about exposing lies, I think, this morning, maybe. We bought into this other lie that it's like, well, and it's part and parcel with the first one, like Bill Johnson and John G. Lake, these amazing people. And then we also lump our, like, like totally fallible pastors and clergy and all those folks, our leaders in the body of Christ. We lump them all into the same category inadvertently. And in so doing, we actually absolve ourselves from the guilt of going. Well, because God has that guy. Well, he's more effective than I would be anyway. And, and the, the lie is that in this clergy-laity divide, the, the, the lie is that, well, I'm called to go do those amazing things, or Bill's called to go do those amazing things, but you're called to come and watch and get excited about what we're doing and cheer us on. It's a lie. It's, it's an absolute lie. It's a lie to keep you on the couch is what it is. And God's given you the same commission. He's given you the same Holy Spirit, and he's given you a sphere of influence that I don't have. He's given you a sphere of influence that Bill Johnson may never touch. He's given that to you, uniquely you. And he's called you as a missionary to that sphere of influence. Did you know that you're a missionary today? I thought people had to have a special call. They do. Uh, it was the moment you said, yes, Lord, here I am. Save me. Right? You do have a special call. It just happens to not be unique to you. It's unique to the body of Christ. It's everybody who said yes. You're a missionary to your unique sphere of influence. Like, did you know that today? Like, what's the difference between a missionary on the field? See, because we idolize these kinds of folks. Well, well, I'm not called to go to Africa. We just had somebody come back from Africa. You know, it's like, like I'm not called to go do that's crazy town stuff over there. I, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not called to do those, those, those kinds of those crazy feats for God. That's, that's for somebody else. But the truth is you, you are called. You may not be called to go to Africa, but you're called to, to go right here. Like the difference between the African missionary and us is our level of intentionality. That's it. It's not calling. I, it's a little bit of calling. It's not commissioning. Well, I'll say it that way. It's not the commissioning. That's not the issue. It's not the power of God. That's not the issue. It's not God's desire to work with you. It says he's looking, literally roaming around, looking for someone on whom he can show his power. You're not excluded. Are we okay? You haven't disqualified yourself. You're not excluded. You're a missionary to your unique sphere of influence. The difference is our intentionality. A missionary to Africa wakes up every day thinking to himself, how can I preach the gospel of the kingdom? And how can I expand that kingdom in this place where I've sold out everything and gone to? So every day they're waking up, they're looking for divine appointments and opportunities to expand that kingdom. You and I, on, on our best day, we wake up and we think, how in the world can I go to work and survive another day and put food on the table? Does that identify with anybody? <laughs> what would it look like if we flipped that? What would it look like if we got a hold of this reality that we actually are world changers, that we're missionaries, that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to move mountains? 
to see things just chip off of just not even individuals, but like whole cities. Like what if we woke up in the morning and we thought, you know what, here I am, God's going to use me. What if I woke up in the morning with an expectancy like a missionary and my prayer every and each and each and every morning was, God, open my eyes to see the divine appointments that you have for me today so that I could expand your kingdom so that I can see what the Father in heaven is doing and partner with you. Right? Like, what, what if that was our prayer? If that was every person in here, if that was your prayer, we'd change this city. We would, we would bring transformation to our city. You have a sphere that I can't speak into, probably. I hope to get to an opportunity to. But it's your unique sphere, and you're called to speak into it. And you've been empowered by God to be able to do it. You've been commissioned by God to be able to do it. So most of you in here, most of you, in fact, maybe like... I was going to say maybe all of you. That's probably not true. But most of you are not called to full-time vocational ministry. You know, most of you are called to be an engineer. You know, a housewife, a, you know, a a stalls employee, a, a teacher in the school. Right? That's your mission field. This thing exists just to, just to equip you. That's what this is. This is the, let's break off some lies so that you can begin to believe who you really are and go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. It's not so grandiose as like, it's like the first commission was like, go to, go to your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outer ends of the earth. And we, we see that and we're like, I can't go to the ends of the earth, but go to your Jerusalem. Like, go to your sphere of influence. Wake up in the morning and say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Rest upon me. Open my eyes to the divine appointments that are all around me. And use me, my God. Use me to expand your kingdom, to fulfill your purposes in this earth. And to ultimately, by extension, bring transformation to this city. How do you win a city? You ever thought about that? I think about it. Sorry? Being... Let me, let me expound on that a little bit. She said being present. Yeah, that's intentionality, isn't it? How do you win a city? Uh, one person at a time. That's what she's getting at. One person at a time. Boy, it can be overwhelming if we're looking at this whole Johnson County and going, there's 50,000 people out there. How in the world am I ever going to make a difference? I make a difference with my neighbor. I make a difference with the person gossiping at the water cooler at work. You know? I make a difference by going above and beyond. Man, I've, I've been thinking about preaching a message. I've, been, I've actually been thinking about just compiling little bits and pieces that we've lost in our post-Christian culture. You know, just basic common courtesies like, you know, holding a door for somebody. I told Pastor Misty the other day, I said, I've been increasingly surprised that even in our own community, as I walk down the street, leaving like the gym or something like that, that nobody will even look me in the eye and nobody will say hi to me. I mean, in many cases, I hi, good morning, nothing, nothing. They just walk right on past, you know? I I just thought about this, like, now now we're back to Christian ethics, right? Like, let's just get back to the kingdom. Let's just get back to the golden rule and treat other people how we want to be treated. My goodness, how far we've fallen from just the basic tenets of faith, Right? But you're called to be that. You're called to be Jesus. And you're called to, to, uh, to, to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're called to heed the commissioning of God in your unique, however small sphere. That is your unique God-given call.
We okay? What I want you to see this morning is that you don't have to be a superstar for God to use you powerfully. And I would go a step further and say God's not even looking for a superstar. He's just looking for you. Sorry, if you're a superstar, didn't mean to diminish you. <laughs> you guys remember Stephen in the book of Acts? Stephen was the, the first martyr in the kingdom of God. And I was reminded of him as I was pondering these things this last week. And, you know, uh, did you ever hear anything before the book of Acts? Did you ever hear the name Stephen mentioned in the Bible anywhere? The answer is no. So he's a big fat nobody. He's a big nobody who completely missed, apparently missed all the amazing things that were happening right in his own timeline. Where was he? We don't know. Never speaks of him. What was he doing? We don't know. The Bible never speaks of him. He seemingly comes out of the blue. Like Jesus is already dead and resurrected and commissioned. Like he's, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, like there's some stuff that's already happened before Stephen ever comes on the scene. He was just a normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, listen, Stephen... He, uh, at least as it was declared in, in the Bible, I don't know what he actually was. I don't pretend to, you know, to know that. But as far as what was actually written, I say this, he, he wasn't a pastor. Do you know that? Stephen wasn't an apostle. Stephen wasn't even a leader in the body of Christ. He was just a normal Christian, Bible-believing Christian, trying to do right by God and serve his church, Right? This is what it says of him, though. This is Acts chapter 6, verse 8. It says, <laughs> well, first of all, I would suggest to you this. Let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, the church of, of Acts, the first church, was beginning to grow, grow at like warp speed. Come on, Jesus, do it again. You know, it was beginning to grow at warp speed. That thousands of people coming in. And the apostles got to a point where they were ultimately overwhelmed. The apostles, uh, those who were like the point men for leading the church and leading this new church movement, okay? Just trying to put this in perspective for you. They got to a point where they literally couldn't do it all. In fact, they made the declaration, we shouldn't even have to do it all. I shouldn't have to fix squeaky floors and broken pipes and do all this stuff. And, and so, so this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to call some people who have a good reputation in the community, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and who are wise. We're going to call those guys, and they're going to step in to the church and do the stuff. They're going to they're gonna serve the tables because they were beginning, it says, to overlook the practice of serving the widows. So in other words, there was the community soup kitchen was beginning to suffer. The apostles weren't doing a very good job managing it all. Right? And Stephen was one of these guys that they go, yeah, yeah, this guy's been faithful. Let's call on him and some of his buddies to come in and to serve these tables. That actually says that he, that he put him in charge of something. So we're beginning to see there's a promotion here. But at the end of the day, the promotion was unto the bottom of the ladder. It, the promotion was unto, can you serve in an official capacity? Right? I, I want you to note a few things with this. Number one, stu, uh, he, uh, Stephen was stewarding his season really well. Right? He, Stephen was just being a normal believer. He was, he was going after the word of God. He was going after the renewing of his mind. He was going after repentance for when he was stupid. He was, he was going after his sphere of influence. He was trying to serve his church well. He was doing all the regular stuff, the regular Christian stuff. He was a normal guy doing normal Christian things, but he was stewarding that season really well. And what you don't see is Stephen like vying for some kind of power or control or authority or any of those kinds of things. You just see him serving humbly. 
right? And, and so uh, the, the apostles, they, they recognized this stewardship. And, I, and another thing I want you to note is that they didn't immediately toss him into the pulpit. Hey, we recognize a call of God on you. You know, we see this in, in, in our culture. Listen to this. In our culture, in our churches, anyone who's doing anything at all has to be called to ministry. That's how much the gap has gotten. That's how far we've strayed from just normal Christianity. Such that when ministers see anybody where they're doing anything, they go, oh, you must have a call to ministry on there. No, you have a call to Christianity. You have a call to be a normal Christian. See, Stephen in his faithful season wasn't immediately snatched out of his, his service and his just normal, mundane, regular old life and tossed immediately into a pay, place of high-level authority. He was given just another thing to steward. Are we okay with the process? And then it says this of him. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. <laughs> it's amazing to me that we find a guy who wasn't a pastor, wasn't an apostle, he wasn't a leader in the body of Christ. He was just a normal, average Joe. And of the normal average Joe, it says, now let me paraphrase this, he was operating at the same high level of anointing that his apostolic leaders were. Whoa. This guy who nobody knew, who, this guy who the Bible mentions nothing about before Acts chapter 6, or Acts at least, I think it's still exclusive to 6 even. You know, we, we know nothing about him. We just know that he's been faithful. We know he's been going after just the mundane, the normal stuff, and doing that really well. We know he's been doing it really well, such that it caught the attention of his leadership. But part of what he's been doing is he's been stepping out. He's saying, listen, I see what's been modeled. Do you remember the message last week? I see what you're modeling in front of me, and I want in on that. I can see that you're calling me to normal Christianity, which is a Christianity that identifies those things on earth that are out of sync with heaven, and then I get to step into the solution through righteous living and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit to literally step in and make a, make a heavenly impact, right? This is Stephen. He's, he's been doing the stuff all by himself on the sidelines. He's every bit as powerful as the apostles, but he's just a normal guy working down at the factory doing the nine to five. With, I don't know whether he, how young he is, but I'll just talk to some of you. With a wife and kids at home, with normal responsibilities, with the need to put food on the table and keep the lights on in the house. How many of you know? Like, the guy is just normal. He's one of us. But the guy who was normal and one of us was moving in power because he accepted the invitation. Can you see that? You're like, no, Stephen still is amazing. He is amazing. But he's amazing just because he accepted the invitation. And the invitation's available for you. <clears throat> we might have a different calling, but we all have the same commission. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, part B, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's a couple of things about this. On the one hand, prophecy should testify of Jesus. The, the, I'm going to read it again so I get it right in my head. But for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, so a prophetic word then has to line up with the heart of Jesus. 
a prophetic word. This is why one of the tests for whether a prophetic word is from God or it's from the devil is to see, does it line up with the word? Does it line up with the heart of God, right? It should testify of Jesus Christ and his heart for you, his good heart towards you. Can you see that there? There's a secondary thing here that's equally uh, of equal value and of equal truth, and that's the sense in which what Jesus is doing in the life of another human being is a it's a prophetic word now to you. Why why would we interpret it like that? Because God's not a respecter of persons. Because there aren't these special elite forces that God somehow has extra favor on, and they had this exclusive calling that somehow you weren't invited to. Right? He's not a respecter. Of persons. And so when you see something in someone else's life and there's something that stirs on the inside of you, you're like, yeah, man, I wish, like, I wish I, I wish God was doing that in my life. I want to first tell you that hunger that's there is from the Lord. He wants you to lean into it. The very fact that something just on the inside of you goes, yes, like I want, like that is what I want to see. Whether that's a healing in your own body or whether that's a, a, a ministry or somebody's sharing salvation with someone, whatever it is, but that stirring on the inside of you, that yes that's on the inside of you, like that's the Holy Spirit identifying like this is, you, this is your calling. This is actually for you. The testimony of what Jesus Christ is doing in someone else's life is the, is the prophecy of what he wants to do in yours. Okay? And, and Stephen is a great example of that, but because Stephen still is in the Bible, and, you know, if you, if you made it to the black and white, you're still more amazing than I am. So even though you're trying to normalize the guy, you know, the scriptures are, are clear he was quite amazing, and I'm not. I, just, I, felt this, I felt as I was writing this, just the breath of God on sharing a few testimonies with you that are not my own, but they're just from normal people just like us. Is that all right? So it's going to be a little different than my norm. I'm going to read a whole lot of stuff, but can you bear with me? I think if you do, you'll enjoy it. I like to ask you questions that I don't let you answer because I really don't care. <laughs> can you endure this? Yes, you will. Good. Great. Good. Listen to this. Now, listen, as I, as I read these testimonies, I want it to stir in your hearts as encouragement, you know, as empowerment to go, you know what, if God did that for that person, God can do that for me. And I want you to begin to lean into these testimonies because these can be your testimonies. Amen? Listen to this. At Westside Pizza in, in Redding, California, we deliver pizza with the permission of our boss to pray for people, pull over and preach the gospel, and encourage our customers in any way possible. First of all, I want to go eat at this place. Come on, anybody? I mean, this is amazing. You know, every, every, time I can, uh, every time I can present the good news about Jesus, to, or every time I can commit, uh, present the, the good news about Jesus Christ to our customers. I have seen people healed. I've spoken God's powerful words of encouragement and comfort to people. And I've seen people decide to give their lives to Jesus all in a day's work and pe- as a, just as a simple pizza delivery guy. Okay, listen. He's not the owner of the shop. Yeah, he's not even like a server. You know, he's just a delivery guy. Is it safe to say that's kind of like the bottom rung of the industry? You know, like the, the guy who's, this is not to diminish. If you're a pizza delivery guy, God bless you. I pray prosperity and blessing over you. I'm not trying to diminish you. I'm just saying he's not the CEO. <laughs> Can we see there's maybe a difference between the guy delivering pizzas and the guy that owns the whole place? And yet it's the guy that's delivering pizzas that's moving at the power of God to see amazing things happen as he's delivering pizzas. Let me continue. At the restaurant, we even pray over our pizza dough 
and have a, and have a, a story of, of someone getting healed from just eating our pizza. Come on. <laughs> Listen, if, G, if Jesus can anoint the handkerchief on the sweaty, nasty forehead of the Apostle Paul and go heal the sick with it, why can't he anoint pizza and heal people as they eat it? Okay, I'm just saying, stretch our imaginations and our belief system just a little bit. 20, 24 hours a day, the company has worship music playing, even when we're closed in the middle of the night and nobody is there. One night, I was delivering pizza to an apartment complex that I had never been to before, and I want you to listen how this guy operates with Holy Spirit. As I was, was walking away and making my delivery, for some reason, I felt that I should just stand at the top of the stairs and wait. Now, how many of you know this guy feels like an idiot at this moment? Like, so he's going to deliver pizza. His employer says, you need to deliver it hot or it's free. Like, we know how the game works, right? And now he gets to the top of the stairs, and he's like, I just feel like I'm supposed to stand here like an idiot. How many times have we felt something that sounds idiotic, and we dismiss it entirely, but it was an invitation from Holy Spirit to do something powerful? So I stood there with my pizza bag feeling kind of awkward. A few moments later, so it didn't happen instantly, a woman who was sitting with her door open yelled out, Hey, what are you doing? What are you, what are you delivering from? Or who are you delivering from? I ran up to her and I told her, Well, it was pizza. And I, I felt that she needed prayer. So I asked her if I could pray for her. She instantly began to open up about her life and the issues that she was facing. Now, how many of us are like, oh, I got stuff to do. I got a job, I got things, like I'm busy, like lady, you're opening up about God knows what. All right, but he chose to love this woman in that moment more than he chose to love anything else. And he wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus, so he was willing to sacrifice his time. I told her that God loves her, and I asked her if she knew Jesus, and she said, well, I, I know that I'm lost, and I need to get saved. I said, look, it's, it's not about a ticket from hell. It's a relationship with Jesus. God's grace came over her, and she, and she looked up at me and said, man, that's good, and then invited Jesus to come into her life. Another night at work, this family from out of town came into our restaurant because they had heard that we give powerful, encouraging words uh, from God to our customers along with their pizza. Two women wanted me to prophesy to a man that, that they were with. He didn't know it, but they were pointing to him. You know, how's it going, man? I asked. And he said, uh, what, what, uh, what was that? I, I can't hear you. Uh, it turned out he actually couldn't hear me at all because he was deaf in his left ear, and he asked me to speak into his right one. I asked if I could pray for him and put my hand on his left ear, and he began to physically feel the Holy Spirit touching him. He closed his eyes and felt peace and began to sway. As I finished, I asked, how's it going, man? He said, dude, my ear is opening up. I feel it popping and expanding. You know, Paul Dury's got a, a story that sounds a, must, a lot like this. He said, you, you know, you can, he, said, he said he could hear way more than he could before, and, he, it was a sh and it was a shock even to me, he says. So if it was a shock to him, how many of you know he, he wasn't at the pinnacle of faith when he was praying? Okay, so some of you who aren't at the pinnacle of faith can do this then. Let his testimony be your testimony. Are you getting it? For me, these stories are not just about partnering with God in the workplace. This is my lifestyle. What's our core value? The revival lifestyle. Come on. If this guy here doesn't epitomize the story of Stephen, average, old, plain Christian, non-titled, 
Stephen, who gets called into the church to serve the tables. You know, <laughs> I don't know why. So listen to this next one. By the way, if God can use this pizza delivery boy, he can use you. I saw him sitting at the kitchen counter listening to one of my friends. Wanting to encourage him, I stepped into the kitchen and said, do you know that God wants to be your compass through the seas of life? He wants to show you which direction to go and where to throw your nets and your hooks. You can even speak to the ocean and be guided towards the fish. He looked up at me with complete disbelief and he said, I'm a commercial fisherman. (laughs) Feels like maybe this word's for him. I haven't been catching many fish recently, and I'm losing a lot of money. I challenged him to try to do something different the next time he went fishing. Now speak to the sea and expect your fishing to improve. Does anybody feel like this sounds a lot like subduing creation and the modeling of that that we saw Jesus do? Even reminiscent of a story where he said, cast your nets on the other side, and they pulled in fish. How many of you know you can do this? Come on. Later that week, dressed all up in his gear and full of excitement, the young fisherman came to tell me that he had just pulled the biggest catch of his fishing career. He had asked God to guide him to the fish rather than him going to his usual spots, and he felt the Holy Spirit show him exactly where to cast his hooks. Not only did he catch more fish than ever before, but also he caught better and more expensive fish, which means he's going to make more money. How many of you know God's concerned about your pocketbooks? (laughs) The young man was beaming with joy, and he said, whatever you, do, whatever you and your team have, it's the real deal. After I returned home for our missions trip, he told me that ever since I had given him that encouraging word from God, that he has experienced an exponential increase in all of his fishing expeditions. <laughs> he now has hope for his future and is excited about what he does. God made himself real to a young fisherman by blessing him in a way that he never expected couple of things with this. Number one, how many of you know that God wants to use you to give a prophetic encouragement to just random people that are around you? So not very many. Okay. Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. This isn't exclusive to this guy. God's not a respecter of persons. This guy, he's just taken his commission seriously. He sees a random guy and he thinks, boy, I'd like to speak into that guy's life. Gets this amazing download that is both encouraging and directive in nature. And the guy's life will never be the, cha- never be the same because of that. Come on. Come on. How many opportunities are out there in our own spheres of influence? Here's the second thing. I think God wants to partner with you. I just want to expand your minds a little bit. I think he wants to partner with you in very normal and yet supernatural ways. I think God wants to show you where to invest your money so that you get the biggest return. You know, I think, I think God wants to show you what company to apply for, you know, that's the unique and perfect fit for you, even if it doesn't make sense in, in like natural wisdom, like just normal stuff. Like I think God wants to tell you, uh, today I want you to go to Hy-Vee instead of Walmart, but that's expensive. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just the normal every day. Like, I think God wants to partner with you to see you prosper, to see. He wants, he's in, let me say this. He's inviting you in to a place where you can be even more intimate with him and where he will guide you into all the decisions of life, where it doesn't feel like it's just me out here trying to figure it all out on my own, but I'm yoked with my father whose burden is easy, <laughs> right? I'm yoked with my father and I get to go, is this a good decision? 
No, oof, God, I asked. I want you to do this. All right, okay, I can do that. Listen, I don't need to be gifted. Listen, I don't need to be gifted. I don't, have, I don't need to have any of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. I don't need to have anything. I don't need to be called. Like, I don't need to be called. I don't need to be any of the fivefold. I don't need to be anything but obedient. And if I can just sharpen my ability to hear his voice and say yes when he speaks, it doesn't matter whether I'm an apostle, a pastor, a normal Joe, it doesn't matter. I get to be a Stephen. I get to partner with God and go where he goes, say what he says, and touch the lives of people. Come on. Look at this. I'm going to give you another one. Are we doing all right? Yeah. By the way, part of the, part of the revival lifestyle is just simply that. Like that's, that is the revival lifestyle. It's that God wants to speak to you. He's immensely good. He really does want to partner with you in a place of intimacy. He really wants to be Lord of your life, Lord of your decisions. He really does want to bless you. He doesn't just simply speak through the Bible. He speaks in a multitude of ways, and he's asking you to tune into his frequency because he wants to partner with you to change this world, right? This is part of the revival lifestyle. Listen to this one. My husband and I raise breeding poultry. Yep, chickens. We've been building up the business, putting almost $50,000, and we've been waiting for a return. We have more than 300 chickens, which first of all, like 50 grand, 300 chickens? Oof, I don't want, I don't want this business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but some of them are juveniles, chicks, and, and roosters, and we were hoping for more eggs than what we were getting at the time. Then one day, the Lord asked me to bless the chickens. To be honest, I, I couldn't stand them. I also realized that I, I had to end, I'll wait and see if this is going to be profitable before I really fully jump in kind of mindset, and I wasn't really supporting my husband. I think that's a prophetic word for somebody in here right now today. I'm actually an educated doctor, and I couldn't dip down to the level of poultry land. <laughs> but I felt the Lord say, who wins when you have this kind of attitude? What if you lost everything and you didn't support your husband? You've never given your heart to what he's doing. So I went and I blessed the chickens to feel safe and welcome, comfortable and healthy, and to start laying and multiplying. And again, I want to remind you, this looks strangely like the commission that we've been given to go and subdue the earth, that which we saw modeled in Christ. Okay? But here's just a normal person doing it. A day or two later, we collected two dozen eggs. Three days later, we collected three dozen eggs. And the next day, four dozen eggs. My husband made 700 bucks in one week, and it keeps on increasing. We went from five or six eggs a day in the beginning of January to 74 today. How, how many of you know like five or six eggs to 74 is exponential growth? All because she was listening to God, and she partnered with him to identify on earth what wasn't consistent with heaven. And then she partnered in the place of faith and prayer and said, I'll do something about this. Father, in Jesus' name. Right? How many opportunities do we have just like this? She said, now that I've blessed the chickens, I help my husband and we do it together and it's part of our lives. And now we have a profitable business. She says, come on, do it, Jesus. Bless them. One more? We all right? These are your testimonies. It was a Sunday at the airport, and I was flying back to Sacramento after, the, after a weekend trip, and I was waiting at my gate, and I noticed the Chico, California girls basketball team was coming in to sit next to me, coming in to sit near me. After they sat down, I leaned over, and I asked one of the girls if there were any injured players on the team. Now, listen, he didn't have a prophetic word. He didn't have a word of knowledge. He wasn't operating supernaturally at all. 
He just believed that God wanted to use him to do the stuff. He sees these girls coming, and under the assumption that there's probably somebody who needs healing, he asks. <laughs> How many opportunities have we passed up because we just didn't ask? All right? After I sit down, I lean, okay, we said that. Uh, then she uh, when she replied that, they, that there weren't any who were, who were injured, a girl sitting farther away asked what we were talking about. I asked again if anybody was injured, and she said that she was, that she had a knee injury that had prevented her from playing for the past two years. And then explained that, uh, I explained that I wanted to pray for her, and she agreed, saying that she was a Christian and that a grandmother had already been praying for her. I asked for permission before placing my hand on, on her shoulder. By the way, great practice. Good form, buddy. <laughs> before praying, I, I asked her what the pain level was on, on the scale of 1 to 10. This guy has gone to the same training we've gone to. She immediately cut me off to say it was a 10. The first time I prayed for her, nothing happened. All right, buddy, cash it in. It was obviously not God's will to heal her. Move along. Which is what so many of us do. But this guy decided, no, he's going to keep. The second time that I prayed, the pain went halfway down. Now, how many of you know Jesus just showed up and he's doing something? And he had to go beyond the natural and stand in faith, not seeing it and yet still believing it before he even got any kind of victory. You see that? The third time and final time that I prayed, her, her knee pain was completely gone, and she was pain-free in just a matter of minutes. There's, there's, a, there's a, a section in the book of James that talks about, uh, it says this phrase, you have not because you ask not. And, and I believe this applies aptly to the revival lifestyle, because over the years I've, I've learned uh, that many believe that, that if this stuff is going to happen, that the Holy Spirit has to overtake them. And it's like, like if I'm sitting there eating my cheeseburger, you know, and the Holy Spirit shows up and the physical building opens up and I start shaking. Okay, now I know something's happening. Okay. And it's like, a big, and like unless, the, unless the Spirit of God like possesses you and begins to move your lips for you, you know, you're like, well, then God, I guess, just didn't want to do anything. Listen, that couldn't be further from the truth. God wants to do stuff all the time. You have not because you ask not. And I've learned over the years that if I want to be used by God to, for example, give a prophetic word to my waiter, that I have to turn aside. I have to quiet myself. I have to listen and ask, Father, is there something that you want to say to this person? Would you like, there's some way you want me to bless them before I leave this restaurant today. I have to ask. And you know, when I ask, he speaks. I, I this, I, I can't imagine how many opportunities I've missed because I was just busy. I didn't feel like it, whatever. But he is ready to go. He's just looking for somebody. He's hungry for somebody to rest upon, to do his will, to see his kingdom expanded, to do the stuff, to step into the commission, to begin to believe him by faith. That it's not just for somebody special like Bill Johnson with a special anointing in ministry, but it's for little old me. Right? I have to ask. I have to be intentional. I have to wake up in the morning and kind of go, renew my mind, God. Renew my mind. My life is not all about me and my bread and my routine and my comforts. It's not all about me. It's about your kingdom. It's about you. It's about what you paid for, Jesus. And would you open my eyes? Would you use me? Now, listen, I know that, that, that a lot of people in here, you're, you're probably at a place where you're like, okay, this is still scary. This, if you were thinking that you were going to unscare me with this message, you didn't unscare me. I'm still scared. You know, but that's why we do this. 
How many times? I mean, and maybe less recently, but, you know, we, we, we do a little bit of a prayer for healing. We feel like God's healing people. And, and, and I say, hey, you go do it, right? Most times you don't see me get down off the platform to go lay my hands on anybody. Why? Because it's an opportunity for you to practice under the shelter of my anointing. And we practice until it's yours. And, but, but there comes a point where there comes a point where you have to kind of go, like, if, if you believe it, if you believe the word, there comes a point when you actually then have to step out in it. Like, again, whether you see results or not, that's irrelevant. Because if you really believe that you've been commissioned, that's what it says in Mark, right? And that's, I, I, we go back and read the, or listen to the last couple of messages. We weaved a whole lot of commissioning through the last few messages. You put commission, if you believe this stuff, if you believe, wait a second, Jesus with his own mouth said to me, I'm going to do what he did. If you begin to believe that, then you have to put that belief into action. Putting that belief into action means you're going to begin to ask God for a word for your waitress, that you're going to begin to notice the person that has a limp when they're walking through the store. And just like these guys who we described, you're going to begin to turn aside without respect to your own schedules and your own to-do list and all that stuff to get onto God's time and into God's business and partner yourself in faith to be used by him, right? Like, in other words, faith without works is dead. It says something about that somewhere in the Bible, just in case you missed the point. <laughs> faith without works is dead because if you really believe it, it should ignite action. You should begin to do it. And again, I want to invite you. This is a safe place to do that. You're like, you know what? I, I really want to grow in this, this prophetic stuff, right? Uh, the Bible admonishes us to earnestly desire the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's the word of God that says that. Now listen, I want to circle back to what I just said before. You have not because you ask not. We are called to earnestly seek the gifts. What does that mean? We're supposed to ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask and keep on asking. Ask until you believe it and then begin to step out whether you see it or not. Use this as your place of practice. Ask, earnestly desire that those gifts flow in your life. And if you want to see, again, the increase of that prophetic unction, like, I just, I want to be used by God to give a ready, in-season word of encouragement to somebody, then begin to pray for that before you come here on a Sunday morning and ask God to give you eyes to see, and then just tell people you're practicing. Like, hey, Charles, I, I'm, this is how we're, hey, I, I, uh, I've, been, I've been praying for you this morning, and I'm practicing hearing the voice of God, and I believe I've got, I think he spoke something for you. Can I share that with you? Yeah, uh, Jesus loves you. All right, good, we got it. We know that was from Jesus, right? But, you know, but you're, you're just telling him that, he's, that you're, that you're practicing. Can I practice on you? I think I've got something. I've been praying for you. Now, does that sound difficult? That's not difficult. Now, Charles understands, oh, okay, so this isn't some thus saith the Lord prophet. This is just some guy trying to practice hearing the voice of God. And the Bible says, my sheep will hear my voice. And if my sheep can hear my voice, then they can just tell other people what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, hey, we're all prophetic. It is that simple, <laughs> right? But we just tell people that we're practicing. You know, I notice, hey, I've noticed, I'm just picking on Charles. He just happens to be right in front of me. Sorry, poor sap. You know, I'm like, hey, I noticed you've got a Band-Aid on your, you've got a Band-Aid there on your face. Like, like hey, first of all, like, do you mind me asking, hey, what happened to that? Well, I'm trying to practice. I just really believe God wants to use me to heal the sick. Would you mind if I prayed for you? I guarantee you that man's not going to mind if you pray for him. <laughs> And if he does, if he's like at a point where he's like, I've had this for 15 years and I'm sick and tired of people praying for me, that's all right. Go to the next guy. 
God bless you. I'll just be praying for you from over here, right? Like, just go to the next one, right? But this space, this church, like, the, the, like we exist to celebrate God. Like, there's so much that happens on a Sunday morning. But part of it is that you get an opportunity to practice. Practice, refine that gift, come under the anointing that exists here in this place to, to kind of go, wait a second, I think I can do this. Like, how many of you have seen somebody healed because you were out there praying in the seats? Like, a lot of you, right? You get to a point where your own faith is built up. You're like, yeah, I believe it. I see it in the Word. I, I'm commissioned to do it. And Pastor Sean's given us opportunities. I've seen some people heal. I think I can do this at the gym. Like, that's the next step. It can't stop here. It has to go from here and to the nations or we're not doing our job well. Right? It's like, I received that commission. I received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that hopefully in the coming days unless the Lord just continues to redirect my messages. I will eventually, Lord, I will tell them. <laughs> Teasing. Right? It's like, I believe it. I see it. I see it in the Word. I'm renewing my mind on it. The renewing of my mind builds faith on the inside of me. I get to practice it in this safe zone where people expect that I'm going to be practicing it. They know that I'm not perfect. Right? And we get to go forth from here into my sphere of influence where I get to identify the things on earth that are out of whack with the things that are in heaven, and I get to become the solution. Amen? Listen, let me give you one more practical bit when it comes to prophecy. We do not encourage, in fact, I could go a little stronger and say we discourage a thus saith the Lord approach in this house. You know, well, I could give you examples, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings in case it was you that did it. (laughs) But we've had some tragic prophetic words over the years that were a thus saith the Lord, you know, you did these things wrong and whatever. And then Pastor Misty and I get the phone calls and we have to talk somebody off the wall, you know, like, no, like, wow, who said that to you? Let let me add it. Like, who said that to you? That's crazy town. When you say thus saith the Lord, it binds the person on the receiving end into a prison that they feel like they can't get out of. If it wasn't God, they're now wrestling with, yeah, but you said it was. So just submit it more softly. Hey, I feel like maybe God said. That's as simple as it needs to be. I'm practicing. I think I heard God say this word for you. You know, with the prophetic, the Bible says that it's the hearer who gets to weigh and judge whether what you're saying is for them or not. Okay? So don't present it like it's this prison-binding word. Thus saith the Lord, you are headed to the African mission field. (laughs) You know? And then you have to add the, mm, God uh, said, uh, <laughs> right? Because that's the way, you, know, you, have to, you have to partner with that, right? <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden she's like, I don't know, that doesn't really resonate with me. I've never heard God say African mission field, but you did say, thus saith the Lord, right? That's just not how we operate. It's just say, like, man, I'm really feeling like I, was got, I got around to you and I, and I started hearing Africa. Does that mean anything to you? See how I'm presenting it softly? No, it doesn't mean anything to you. Well, can I just pray for you? Because I feel like maybe God's doing something. See, I don't know what God's doing. I'm not going to try to interpret it. Can I just pray for you, Father? Whatever you're going to do with Africa, I bless this woman, whoever she is, crazy chick with the googly eyes, weirdo. (laughs) Make her path straight. You know, if you have something, we ask for your provision. Bless her, Lord. And if there's more you'd like me to say, I invite you to say so. Would you give her dreams? Would you lead her? Would you direct her? If there's anything on your heart for her in Africa, would you bless her? Would you make it clear? Right? Like I could just pray for her now. Do you see the difference when I'm saying like between a thus saith the Lord and a, hey, take this softly. I can probably get it wrong because I'm a finite human being and I see dimly 
and I hear, you know what I mean? Like I don't always hear right. I don't always see correctly, right? So just submit this softly. And if something resonates, now it's my responsibility to weigh it, to judge it, you know, to determine whether it's God or not. Does it line up with the word? Is it encouraging? Is it exhorting, right? Is it edifying? Is it confirming? And then if it's none of those things, if it's some of those, if it's not some of those things like edifying, then just hit the flush button, you know? But if it's one of those things where you go, this is the first time I'm hearing it, but something kind of resonates, then you put it on the shelf. You put it on the shelf and you pray into it. Lord, if that's your will, I ask that you would confirm it, that you would speak, send other people to speak to me, that you'd begin to show me that that's your path for me. And if you never hear anything, it stays on the shelf. Eventually, you just put packing tape on it, (laughs) right? Send it out to the bonfire. All right, we good? This is just just a, a, a practical moment so that you, you can get it and so that nobody gets hurt, right, as you're out there practicing. Father, we ask for boldness. We ask for the empowerment of Holy Spirit. Would you come and rest upon us? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to have faith for the, for the commission that you have given to us, that we, little old us, can be used by you to do amazing things in our unique, however small sphere. Ignite us in faith. Ignite us in passion. We say, here we are. Send us, God. Use us. We want to be used by you. We want to partner with you. We want to see your kingdom come on earth. We want your will to be done in our sphere, in the lives of the people we touch. Show us what our divine appointments are. Help us, God. We want to partner with you. We don't want the mundane, normal, complacent Christian life where all we're concerned about is the nine to five and putting food on the table. We want to be about the Father's business. Ignite us in faith. Ignite us in passion. Return us and stir us up in our first love that we would so love you that we could not be contained in being your mouthpiece in our spheres. Help us, Jesus. We're here for such a time as this and for such a purpose as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.